Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And Father, even now, move on our hearts that we may share from our own lives and our own experience good news. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So every year, Dad would pull out this Bible. It's got his name on the front. And as I turned to Luke 2, I could see the, some damage to the page because it's been used every single year for many years until Dad passed. But we would gather together before we opened gifts. Dad would open the Bible and he would read. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was the first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and, you shall, and this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened which the Lord had made known to us. And when they came with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And then Dad would lead us as I will lead you now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I saw a sad sight this morning. I usually make myself a smoothie with blueberries and a banana and, you know, cereal and milk, but it's cold. (laughs) And uh, so I decided to run over to Starbucks because many of you have, um, are enablers of my, of my addiction. (laughs) And um, so it's Starbucks to get one of those sandwiches that they have so I could have a warm meal this morning. And I walked in and there were about five older men alone in Starbucks. And I, I just walked in and ordered up and on the way out, I noticed them kind of talking with one another across the way. And I thought, it's Christmas time. We should be with one another. We shouldn't be alone. And I was, I was kind of hurting for these gentlemen. Now, out in the parking lot, I noticed that they had some really nice cars. You know, at a time like that, it's like, so what? We should be with family. And I I just wondered what had happened. I'm sure they had a story, every single one of them, that they were there rather than being mauled by kids and grandkids and all that that stuff on on Christmas. And it... uh, It struck me as I was driving back to my house this morning, I remembered a a children's story, a a little book, a little thin little story about a a little girl and, and a boy and a dragon. And I forget all the details, but what happens at the end is that she is triumphant and she leaves the boy, the dragon has been slain, and she is going alone, victorious, into the sunset. And I thought, okay. You know, we have this this major theme of the autonomous self, the self alone, being able to conquer the world, And in this case, it's a little girl, so it's, of course, women can conquer the world as men can. But there's a a little bit of a sadness about that. You know, Jesus, when he came to us, he came to us dependent. And he stayed dependent. He surrounded himself with friends. The disciples were not just Guys, those, the disciples also had families. There was a whole constellation of families around him. And so Jesus demonstrated that part of the essential nature of what it means to be fully human is to be connected and to be reliant, yes, even dependent upon one another, as Jesus was. And so even at the Last Supper, when he 
was speaking to his disciples, his, his command was this, this commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Be connected, stay connected. Love one another, show your need for one another. The, the autonomous self is actually maybe somebody who's simply between relationships. But really the example that Jesus demonstrated to us is a self-giving love that ultimately is so giving of self that the entire world is drawn to be together and drawn to him. And so Jesus sets the example for us to love one another, to listen to one another, picked up as I was indicating in the prayer by the Apostle Paul who said, look at others as better than yourself. Humble yourself, even as Christ did, who emptied himself of his divine prerogative and took on the form of a servant. The word doulos, which also means slave. And so that's, that's what we do. We connect, we belong, and we deepen our connections with one another. Not by showing us, showing each other how good we are and how strong we are and how much we've done and all of that, but by showing our love for one another, showing our care for each other, demonstrating that, that when one of us suffers, we all suffer. When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. So Christmas time is a time when we, we really do, we we want to be connected. We want to have some sense of belonging. And so when we, we come together, even on a Christmas morning such as this, it's an important part of celebrating the, the incarnation, God taking on human flesh, becoming one of us, and demonstrating his love for us. So with that, I'd like to extend an open invitation for you to tell a story of Christmas. Oh, uh, Bill, I guess you're ready, is that right? Well, I, I, I was just get, I was getting the mic ready, I mean, I, so. I couldn't even get the announcement I, I'm <laughs> a little hopped up on coffee. If okay. anybody has a story, come on up, or I'll come to you. Karna. I have a story. Actually, Kurt asked me if I'd read this to you. It's a story. And on Christmas Eve, of course, we all, like many of you did, um, my husband would read, you know, it was the night before Christmas to all of our children, you know, for years and years. And then <clears throat> I wrote a story that I read to them <clears throat> on Christmas. And I got word last week that my publisher is, it wants to publish this as a Christmas story, maybe perhaps for next season, which is kind of nice. Um, <clears throat> this is how it goes. We all have heard a lot of stories starting as a kid. <clears throat> Three Little Pigs, Red Riding Hood, What Cinderella Did, 
Then over time, they sort of faded from our memory. As we grew up, we focused more on what we all could be. <clears throat> and yet, one set of stories continues to reveal incredible descriptions of someone who was real. We learned about a girl named Mary, really young was she, when told a story of her own about what she would be, the mother of a savior. A truly special child, she heard it from an angel, and that was pretty wild. And then she went to Bethlehem, put Jesus in a manger. A special star was shining down. We asked what could be stranger. The wise men came to pay respects with frankincense and myrrh. Can you imagine their reaction to the babe and her? The stories kept on coming about this special boy and how he later did so much to bring a special joy to men like Bartimaeus, whose sight he soon restored and dealt out loaves and fishes to feed the teeming hordes. The miracles were chronicled in Matthew, Luke, and John, as well as Mark and other scribes who wrote and carried on the stories of his influence not just in Galilee, but later on throughout the world, his life was plain to see. The stories kept on coming of lessons that he taught. We teach them now to our own kids. And yet his life was fraught with danger from distractors who challenged this new boss and ruled that he be crucified up there upon a cross. And yet the story didn't end. There was no big correction. Instead, we heard the best of tales about his resurrection. And so today, we do reflect on all the stories now and analyze what we believe to be the reason how so many people saw this man and wrote about his life. They didn't just collaborate, they chronicled the strife that permeated life back then and showed how this one man proclaimed the love of God for all and how he had a plan to change our lives when we believe. And so I say to you, you've heard the stories. Now please know that yes, it all is true. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Who's next? If not, I'll do one. Anybody? Okay, come on. Well, thank you. Where are you? Thank you, that was amazing. Uh, we're here with family, North Carolina, Texas, and, and Ohio. And I like the story idea. And the thought I had on the story is uh, so we're here, Gary and June, Dave and Nancy, my wife Mary, and myself, Ron. And um, part of our story is for over 35 years, my wife has done a custom Christmas devotion. And our family, we all look forward to it. And it refreshes uh, what we believe as believers. So it's, it's been a sweet thing in our story. And I'm sure you have similar things uh, in your story. Uh, the word story, I like to say that 
everybody has a story, and everybody's story is important. And when we think about the story of Christmas, it is the most historic, amazing, unbelievable thing that's ever happened in human history. And we're here celebrating that today. Blessings. Thank you so much. Who's next? All right. This is not so inspirational as it is kind of fun. Um, I'll sit in the chair. <laughs> Some of you know that we adopted our children when they were just four and five, and they had been in seven different foster homes. And so the first Christmas, we said to each other, we're not going to spoil them. They've never had a really good Christmas, so we're not going to get many presents. Of course, you know how that ended. So the night before, you know, we read the night before Christmas as, as usual, and we talked about Santa. They'd had their, their photos taken on the lap of Santa the, the week before. And when, they, when the kids went to bed, we were downstairs, and we literally filled our little living room with presents. Uh, and we looked at each other and said, what did we do? We changed these children who had no expectations into what will it be like next year. So we went to bed. We could hardly wait for them to get up and run downstairs, right? So we woke up at 5. No, they were still sleeping. So we stayed in bed. We peeked in the room. Both of them sound asleep. 5.30, they're still sleeping. Well, we're getting kind of nervous. Aren't they excited about Santa Claus? Every, isn't every child excited about Santa Claus coming? 6 o'clock? Nope, they're still sleeping. Finally, at 7 o'clock, I went in to wake up my daughter, and she goes, Mom, I'm still sleeping. Don't wake me up. And it occurred to us that they had never had an experience of a Christmas morning. So we kind of dragged them downstairs, half sleepy-eyed. It makes me, gives me tears. And when they, when they looked at all these presents, they said, is this for us? And um, they remember that, and we remember, that, remember it. And since then, they've expected a room full of presents every year. Uh, many of you know that I grew up on a dairy farm in northwestern Minnesota. Very humble, humble upbringing. And uh, we had about 60 head of cattle. We milked about 44 Holsteins. And uh, those cows have to be watered, fed, and milked every day, twice a day, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, it doesn't matter. So I can relate to the, you know, when Jesus came and revealed himself, he revealed himself to herdsmen. And uh, so livestock were very much a part of uh, who he announced to, and he ended up being born in a barn in with uh, livestock. Well, one Christmas Eve, our well went dry. And we have 60 in the herd, 45 Holsteins. How they need water. Some, I don't know if the well was frozen or why it went dry. So we had a small uh, hand pump in the corner of the barn, and we tried to pump. My dad, my brothers, and I were in the barn singing, No well. No well. 
Noel. <laughs> Born as the king of Israel, Noel. And we laughed about that for a long, long time. But uh, Jesus came to bring us Noel, good news. And uh, the interesting thing is there we were in a humble environment realizing this was the environment Jesus came into. In a barn, a smelly barn with livestock and maybe limited resources, and that was where he came. Well, we hit on an ingenious the day after Christmas. Uh, our neighbors down the road had an artesian flowing well that pumped many gallons of water per minute. So we loaded a big a tank in the back of our Ford pickup and drove over there, filled the tank, brought it to our barn, dumped it into the water trough, and fed our, our cattle that way until the well could be repaired. But it, does, it did remind us that the promise of Jesus, that he said, if you follow me, streams of living water will flow out of you. Jesus is the living water. And he says, whoever uh, drinks of this water will never thirst again. So no well really means not just no water, but it's good tidings. Jesus came to, I bring you no well, good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. So when we sang no well this morning, it just reminded me of that very memorable kitchen and that very memorable Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. Anybody? Otherwise, I'm going to follow it up with another Minnesota story. I'll sit in the power, power seat here. <laughs> so I grew up in Minnesota, and by the age of, of four, um, my sisters and I, um, we got to open one present. Um, yeah, and I asked, asked Dustin if he could put a picture. There's, there's me with my sisters. And um, we could open one present, but there's one thing that we had to get over one hurdle, and it was something called lutefisk. <laughs> so does everybody know what lutefisk is? And no, no, somebody that doesn't know lutefisk? Okay. <laughs> so lutefisk is a, a Norwegian immigrant food, and it, it's basically cod that was put in barrels up in Norway, you know, and in, in, the, in the snow with lye, and it just sort of fermented a lot. And it, it just had a horrible smell. So uh, my, my dad, my, my grandma lived upstairs from us, and she was full-blooded Norwegian, first, first generation. And, and so Christmas Eve, we had to eat some lutefisk before we opened our presents. And um, I, one, one year, I was, just wasn't having it. I was just crying, and, and you know, so I was four. And my dad said, OK, Billy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a banana and put the lutefisk in the banana and you'll, you'll like it. And what he did was take a fork and just sort of fork the banana a little bit. And I, I, I said, I can taste it, Dad, I can taste it. And he said, all right, you can open your presents. So, <laughs> you know, I, I had a benevolent and, and wonderful father, you know, and uh, on earth, and, and I think the same thing in heaven. You know, we have a wonderful father who gave his son for us. So that's my Minnesota Ludafist story. <laughs> there we go. Yes, James. Thank you, know, you so much. Call well, Merry Christmas, everyone. So good to be with you all. 
I, I was, in regards to the gathering of the bicycles for the children, I'm inspired to share this. Um, my mom and dad were uh, first in the Baptist religion, and then they joined the Lutheran church. And I was very fortunate at first grade uh, that I was pulled out of uh, public school because they wanted to make me right-handed, corrected. So after a, a year of uh, being with a private tutor, just worked out into the sequence of things. Um, we all were going to this Lutheran day school, and my mother uh, was driving a sports car. Everybody loves to drive a sports car. But she had three boys, all worked into the front seat and the back seat of a MGA, MGA, like a little sports car. And uh, so at some point she was thinking, we're gonna have to get up and ride our bikes. But we didn't have bikes. So uh, I had a brother older, couple years, younger one year, and I was probably about, I don't know, eight, ten, somewhere in there. So uh, we all, you know, Christmas is always a beautiful thing. We get these wonderful things, presents from our parents, and it's just a really beautiful celebration. So this one morning, uh, my dad rolled in three Schwinn three-speed bicycles, red, red, blue, and black for the, you know, our, our color preference. And so there we were on Christmas Day, and we were riding up and down the street and just having the time of our life. So, uh, so fortunate these children to get their bicycles. Congratulations. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Who's up? Come on, Gordon. Well, I don't have anything much to say about a family because I was an only child. My mother always said when I had, when she had me, that would be quite sufficient. <laughs> um, but one thing that is strange about our family is both my father and my mother were born on Christmas Day. Mm. Not the same year, but in any case, I always thought that was kind of peculiar and maybe it had some significance on my life. And the Lord knows I spent a lot of time in churches and things like that since then. And uh, uh, we lived in Brooklyn. And in Brooklyn, uh, religions were alive and well, but there were all different kinds. And they were quite, uh, at, uh, there were times at odds. But in any case, the nearest church to us was a Calvinist church, a Dutch Reformed church, a church which uh, our present minister knows something about. I mean, I think they kicked him out of it. But anyway, <laughs> it shows you what can happen. That, uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that uh, there is some sort of significance, I think, um, in having a family that went to church and brought you up. And, and so we heard plenty about the Christmas story. But in actual practical sense, I came along just prior to the Great Depression. <laughs> and I think my mother and father um, were not expecting that one. And so we had a kind of a poor time for, to be a child. But uh, as you all know, we came through a war. That was pretty significant. And, uh, and in spite of the fact that I uh, came from Brooklyn, 
managed to learn to speak English instead of Brooklynese, <laughs> but it was quite difficult, I can assure you. Anyway, that's my little Christmas story. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll, somebody here will be born on Christmas Day. Is anybody? <laughs> Nobody born on Christmas Day? You are? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it does happen. Thank you, Dick. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I have a happy story. My wife, Karna, would not like me to talk about this because it has to do with things medical. She doesn't like things medical. But uh, my youngest son was born with defective kidneys and born with macular degeneration, except that you can't degenerate if you never had the vision. And uh, so he had a hard time through life and uh, got to the point where he was going to die without those kidneys. And he was in Boston and the medical people there said, have him move to Florida. Because in Florida, they don't have a helmet rule for riding motorcycles and bicycles. And we get more kidneys out of Florida than we will in Massachusetts, where we have rules for everything. So he came down here, and I can't remember whether it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but we got a call that if we can get him to Boston in 10 hours, they have a kidney. So we went up there, and he got his new kidney, and it was a girl's kidney. And then they were worried maybe it wasn't large enough to handle a boy. But uh, he's with us, and uh, this was a very nice Christmas present. So that's it. Merry Christmas. That was great. Who's up? Anybody? Okay, come on, Mary. Thank you. We always had such a nice Christmas. Uh, my mom and dad and older brother and younger sister never wanted for anything. Uh, every Christmas, just you know, had the tree, had the presents, had a little fire. We were in wherever we were. and. And although I never really had a Christmas joy, a, a Savior joy, you know, the Bible joy, Jesus joy, um, until lately, I just want to say my biggest present, my most wonderful present is God giving me Tom. And as you all know, we're newlyweds a year and a half, and I just want to say that I'm so grateful for just believing and knowing that he was working in me all those years. And he just was like, I have something for you. And it, and it so came true. And um, hopeful message, I loved your poem so much. It's one of the lines, and I wasn't expecting to say anything, but one of the lines was, the gift is what he's doing in all of us. And just want to give everyone hope and the love and joy of the season. God bless all of you. Merry Christmas. I see, I see a pointing finger. 
Oh, yeah. Come on up. Introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. For those of you I haven't met, I'm Faith Austin. I'm Eric and Don's old eldest daughter. Um, so thank you for having us every year for Christmas. This is becoming a fun new tradition to meet all of you. Um, I have a cute Minnesota story to add on to the collection. Um, for those of you who don't know, Don Barch was a preschool teacher for many years. Um, she was my sister's preschool teacher at our local little Lutheran church in tiny town, Minnesota. <laughs> um, and one special thing about having a preschool teacher for a mom is that she knows how to make sure your little kids are gonna get what's the point of Christmas. So one way that she did that is she would have us, um, for many years of our childhood, bake a birthday cake for Jesus that year. Be like, hey, you know, there's a lot of fun with Santa and the reindeer. I got very excited about that too, but just so you remember, this is a birthday that we're celebrating, and it's a very special one. Um, so after we would have our service, we'd bake our birthday cake, maybe around Christmas Eve. Um, then it was time to get excited for, you know, Santa and the reindeer coming the next morning. And being a Minnesota kid, that meant there was snow. And one cool thing you can do with snow is that you can see animal tracks, right? So as a tiny tot, I would get very excited, like, okay, Santa's coming. Not so sure what to think about this very oversized man coming down our chimney to bring us presents. Presents are nice, but mm, sounds like a lot of work for the poor reindeer that have to pull this guy halfway across the world, right? So I was like, if we're going to give him cookies, we got to get something for the reindeer. They must be tired. They must be hungry. What can we do? So my very uh, ingenious mother said, okay, how about we give them some magical reindeer fluid? You know, they're flying reindeer. They can't just get normal oats. They get sparkly oats, right? So she got this little tube, sparkly oats, gave it to me and said, okay, pour this outside on the snow so the reindeer have something to eat on Christmas Eve. So sure enough, go outside, pour it down. Um, go up to bed. Next morning, I come racing down the stairs because, okay, check the living room. Yep, presents are there. Santa made it great. Go straight to the back door and look outside to see if the reindeer got their special food. Sure enough, the oats are gone and there are hoof tracks right by the door. And I'm like, it's real. They came. <laughs> the reindeer are here. <laughs> Happiest camper I could be. Um, and it wasn't until many years later that I learned how that actually worked because while we probably do have reindeer floating around Plymouth, Minnesota, unlikely that they would come that close to the house and actually eat the oats. Um, what my mother had done is she waited for us to go to bed, took a broom, stood on the edge of the doorway, and swept away all of the oats so I wouldn't see them, and then used the back of the broom to carve hoof prints in just for me to find that next morning. So thank you, Mom, for making such a special Christmas and reminding us that there's a lot of joy that can come both from Christ's story and just from the special work we put in for each other. <laughs> That was great. Nope, got another pointing. Okay, another Minnesota story. <laughs> who's, who's? Oh. Anybody? No? Somebody's itching their head? No. Okay. Any more, Pastor? Okay. That, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the stories of our lives are so critical in what actually defines us. Our personal histories, our experiences, not just of 
of uh, one another, but how God speaks to us in our relationships with one another. This last little story, I thought what was so significant about that is the, the maintenance of wonder in our lives. And as time goes by, we tend to lose that. And, and in fact, we, we look for explanations. There must be an explanation. And over a period of time, we think we can explain it all. I've got some dear friends, one of whom is an atheist, and he thinks that science can ultimately explain everything. And then I bring him back to the fact that um, he cannot prove his wife's love for him. Cannot prove the most important things about life. None of that can be proved. All of that has to do with the reality of wonder. And in his case, it's a wonder that anyone loves him. <laughs> and I wish he were here so I could say it in front of his face. I have breakfast with him on Friday. But we, we are all here out of the wonder of God's love for us. And it makes no sense. As the Apostle Paul says, while we were yet sinners, yet in utter rebellion against God, anti-God, God demonstrated his love for us, giving his son for us, that we might know the joy of being loved, being connected with one another, being a family with one another, and being ultimately a family with all whom God calls together into his holy kingdom. Let's bow together and have a word of prayer. And Lord, amidst all of our experiences, certain stories rise up. Certain stories touch us. Certain aspects of our experience are remembered while others have sifted away. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the manner in which you speak to us through those who love us and that that love reflects the love that you first gave to all of us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.